Hi, this is Malia Cromer, director of the Goucher College Poll, and you're listening to the Conduit Street Podcast, a source of news and notes on Maryland politics and policy viewed favorably by an overwhelming majority of Marylanders. Welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with Michael Sanderson. Michael, Thursday, May 26th. We are coming off of our 200th episode and all those celebrations. Give me a recap. What did you think about the party hats? <laughs> well, people seem to like the party hats on the social media, right? Uh, we ended up uh, with a with a with uh, an A-B test. Do people like the, the happy face or the frowny face? And of course, everybody likes your positive demeanor, your smiling, cheery, upbeat sense. You're the cheers guy, right? You know, so I, th- I think that's totally appropriate. I like it. How about you? Yeah, I thought it was good. I think, again, there are some people in our office that celebrated it more than we did. It is a, <laughs> it's a really cool accomplishment and I'm happy to be doing 201 with you here today. And today we are going to get back into our true colors, and that's talking about topics in the headlines, and we sort of break things down, explains what's going on at a a deeper level. And Michael, before we jump into that, I just want to say we're going to talk about the gas tax today. There's been a lot of back and forth this week, but I do have to mention, you know, I think on Tuesday, I was actually writing a piece on this and then got that terrible news from Texas. And it really puts things in perspective quickly. You know, we're, we're up here squabbling about a gas tax and people are pointing fingers at each other. And then something like that happens that this, this terrible tragedy, I know we're both parents and it, it makes you think like, are we really squabbling about a gas tax? So I think it's kind of important <laughs> to put that into perspective that we're very much cognizant and aware of that, but life does go on here and we do have some news in the headlines, but it, it really shook me to my core. And I, and I really did think and reflect for a bit about what I had just written about the gas tax and all this back and forth. And actually, you know, at the end of the day, trying to think about what really matters and, it's just humbling for sure. Yeah. I, I, I think we, we all go through that. It's, it's a proper thing. So, I mean, you know, we got this stuff in front of us and it's worth tending to um, independent of, of matters that are kind of, you know, at the moment beyond our control. So I don't know, I guess, I guess, you know, the, the, the show must go on. We got stuff to focus on here in Maryland, even as, you know, to some degree, our hearts might be elsewhere. Yep. Okay. So, we're going to move on. We're going to move forward. And it feels like this debate, speaking of the gas tax, uh, about the state gas tax, is the perfect candidate for us to move forward and get back to our roots. It's a little yeah. bit confusing. A lot of finger pointing. He said, he said, all the ingredients are here, Michael. So that's our plan today. We're going to dig into this issue for the week. We're going to talk about why there's a debate about the gas tax rate going up. But on the way there, we want to fill in some of the missing pieces. And there are missing pieces out there. I've seen them. And I want to explain, make sure our listeners know how our state gas tax works and how we got here. So, Michael, all of our audience, you and I are very familiar with the, the big workhorses of state level taxation. Maryland uses an income tax as its number one revenue source. Many states use income taxes, but usually they're number two or number three. And most states, including Maryland, have general sales taxes that apply to retail sales. Right. So, so I think that's, you know, if there's a brand for this podcast and a lane that we feel most comfortable in, it is things are a little bit more complicated, so let's try and break it down. So that's what we want to do here. And so I I agree with you. Income tax and sales tax are pretty familiar, pretty easy to understand. Like like sales tax, 
um, is the one that's most relevant here because the, the state level tax on gasoline and motor fuel is kind of similar, but a sales tax in general, you pay at the register. So, I mean, I've used this example for, well, it's, it's a dated example now, but I've used this example for a long time. When I, when I go to the local sandwich place and I buy my $5 foot long, I end up paying $5 and 30 cents. And that 30 cents is collected by the business and then they hand it over to the state government. I think, you know, there's, there's a discount that they get to keep a piece of it as sort of an administrative fee. But I, as the consumer, I'm the one who's paying that tax mm -hmm. at the point of sale. And it's added on to the advertised sales price in most cases. So, you know, the, the, the sub costs five bucks. My bill is $5.30. And I kind of knew that going in because I'm used to how sales taxes work, right? So that's the, the general model for a sales tax. There's something similar that lots of states, including Maryland, use as sort of transaction level taxes on specific products. So the other model we generally call excise taxes, E-X-C-I-S-E. And more or less, it's a special tax rate. It's like a sales tax. It's placed onto specific products but in most cases, they are applied at some level before the retail transaction. So it's different from the sales tax on a pair of shoes or on that sub sandwich. It's kind of baked in. So instead of it being at the tail end and something that's paid by the ultimate consumer, excise taxes are usually paid by someone at a wholesale or a distribution level. They pay a tax and presumably it ends up getting sort of baked into the eventual price that we, the final consumers, see at retail, right? Right. And sometimes, I mean, we think of these as quote-unquote sin taxes, right? Since they, they tend to be applied to, to regulated products, most obvious, we think about tobacco, cigarettes, and alcohol, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, so you basically say it's reasonable public policy to, to have a tax treatment that's different for a pack of cigarettes than for a pair of shoes, and not everybody would agree with that, maybe, but I think that's a relatively widespread consensus. So, so you pull those products outside of the regular tax system, and then maybe you tax them extra because we think of them as, as you know, to some degree, an undesirable product. An economist might call it a negative externality, you know, might say. Um, tobacco use causes cancer, so an extra tax on tobacco might be a way to help support public health programs or might just depress demand for tobacco products. Um, you can think of the same logic for alcoholic beverages. The list kind of goes on from there, but special taxes, excise taxes applied to specific things. It's not really a new concept. That's really the main idea of what we're talking about here. Maryland, like a lot of states, has a specific excise tax on gasoline and motor fuels. Right. And when you think about sin taxes, quite frankly, politically speaking, it's easier to raise taxes on like cigarettes and alcohol than it might be to raise the income tax rate or property tax rate, stuff like that. Right. So politically speaking, too, I think a lot of people can understand, oh, you want to raise tax on cigarettes and alcohol. I'm not going to show up and, and really go bananas about that. Some people might. But I think generally speaking, it's it's easier when you call something a sin tax and people kind of get it. So so let's go back to the 1980s, Michael. And Ooh, I, I remember the 1980s. <laughs> I, yeah, I really, I don't, but it, I think it's a good place to start here today when we're talking about 
the, the state gas tax, right? So, so walk us back to the 80s and what was going on. So I think it's a reasonable place to start the story. We certainly probably could have started it in the 30s or 50s or whatever, but you dial back as recently as, as the 1980s, the, the basic setup for the state gas tax here in Maryland and in pretty much every state was pretty simple. It's just a certain number of cents per gallon of gasoline or motor fuel. And it's applied at the wholesale level like these other excise taxes. So it's kind of already embedded in the price that you see you know, on the, on the big sign that has to be out in front of the gas station that you pay at the pump. It, the tax is already sort of embedded in that price. Um, in, in the 80s, Maryland had a simple gas tax like that. It was 18 and a half cents per gallon of motor fuel. And by the way, I'm, I'm saying motor fuel and gasoline kind of interchangeably. We've had some variable rates for things like airplane fuel and some other similar products and so forth. But like, just to keep it simple, we'll keep our eye on the ball and just talk about gasoline. That's what's on everybody's mind, right? Let, let's keep it simple. I know we don't like <laughs> to keep it simple, but let's keep it simple for the purposes of this conversation. On this one thing, this right, every once in a while we make a nod to, hey, that could be the, you know, we'll put, the, put that on the... Uh, on the special channel for the subscribers right, only or whatever, right. you know, but um, anyway, so, so like gallons of gasoline is one of these things where there's a short term, there's a relatively inelastic demand. It doesn't change all that much. People still need to drive to work. They, for the most part, still need to drive to the places they're going. They might long-term make, make life changes based on the, the price of gas, buying a different kind of a car or deciding where to live and so forth. But Short-term, gallons of gas sold is fairly stable. And over time, like, there's a little bit of increase for population. You know, population of Maryland moves up, a few more cars. And, and maybe there's some with driving patterns, but there's really, if you just are taxing at cents per gallon, there's no adjustment for the cost of living. So you basically have built yourself a revenue structure that brings in about the same number of dollars year to year. Right. But that, you know, that's different uh, from from other tax systems, right? As your income rises with career advancements or just inflation, your taxable income grows and so does your tax payment, right? Same with sales taxes. Your $5 footlong you talked about earlier probably cost you like seven bucks now. So you're paying 42 cents in sales tax, right? right I right. mean, so, so, so this is somewhat different from other tax structures, the gas tax here in Maryland. We don't have that adjustment built in. Right. So that is like, that is a useful prelude because that's part of this debate. Mm -hmm. um, simple flat tax um, and each gallon. And that's simple. It gets you money for your transportation projects in Maryland. It puts money into a sort of separated transportation trust fund. And um, that's used for all sorts of transportation modes, but particularly, you know, most obviously for things like roads and bridges, right? And I, and I, and I, you know, I have to, to make mention that also creates a pot of money that you can share with the local governments who definitely in Maryland maintain the lion's share of roads, right? And, then, oh, you know. Oh, oh you, yeah, you, you got to go there, right? We're going to talk we're the, about roads and bridges, right? We're the county podcast, so of course we have to do. So, yeah, so <laughs> you set aside, you know, traditionally 30 cents of every dollar that goes to the locals. But as the prices of asphalt and labor and construction vehicles go up with inflation, a flat rate per gallon of gas doesn't keep up, right? So what happened right. as we got into the 90s? So we get into the 90s and the projections for the Transportation Trust Fund are getting dire. And we know that they're starting to have to cut back on projects because they've got a stagnant gas tax 
and the cost of projects is going up and so forth. Um, this is actually you know, turning into a tough economy. 1990, 91 was a tough economy. So into 1992, the state was in a real fiscal crisis. Maryland did a number of things as part of resolving its fiscal crisis, but one piece was Maryland bumped its tax rate up by five cents. So a lot of talk then about the nickel and the, the whole idea was keep the transportation trust fund on target to maintain our current projects and keep new projects on pace and so forth, right? And that, that, that's for the local roads too, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So, so when when the state um, gas tax got changed, then the locals got their thirty percent cut, as as always. Um, and we know raising taxes is never easy. Um, I, I would say that at the time, gas taxes being tied to transportation safety and projects and improvements was something that was easier to sell than some other generic tax increases that were also part of that year's sort of difficult fiscal plan. But anyway, so that all happened in in 1992. So yeah, you can see why it may be easier to sell that tax increase. I mean, all the way fast forward from 92 to 2022, we know that infrastructure is still very popular. People like to know that money's being spent on improving infrastructure, whether that be roads or bridges or airports or whatever the case may be. But anyway, the table's set now. So let's move forward. Maryland has a simple gas tax. Now it's 23 and a half cents per gallon of gas, but it probably needs attention to keep current with, with transportation costs. That does kind of stink though, if you're policymakers who have to keep coming back and raising taxes just to keep up, right? You, you don't want to have to keep forcing these votes like, okay, well, we, we fixed it for the short term, but we're going to need to come back and do another nickel to keep up with just the cost to maintain our infrastructure. So, 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 so that can make it tough. Yeah. So nothing easy about that politically or practically. So, so let's like, let's like uh, whip through the next couple of decades relatively quickly, knowing that transportation funding is going to be a problem. Um, fast forward a few years to Governor Ehrlich's term as, as governor, and he was sitting looking at a crisis in transportation funding. You know, you do a, you do a study group and you bring in some you know, blue ribbon leaders and they all say, oh my gosh, it's a big problem. We probably need to raise, raise the gas tax. Governor Ehrlich said, I don't want to raise the gas tax rate. I'm not a big fan, a fan of raising taxes. But he did support and ended up getting through a package of sort of like vehicle registration fees and some other transportation revenues that helped close that gap. So there was a funding problem. Rather than putting three or five more cents onto the gas tax, they used fees and a variety of other things. And that sort of bought us a little bit of time. Um, Then a few years later, Governor O'Malley, this is around, this is 2007, um, Governor O'Malley was persuaded that the state's finances were in crisis. We were facing a, sort of a perennial uh, structural deficit and, and felt like we really needed to tackle this and do it responsibly rather than one year at a time. Governor then, believe it or not, called a special session in the fall of 2007 and, and said, we've got to tackle all this stuff, including our transportation funding problem. Um, that was a big deal. It ended up being like almost a month-long special mm. session in uh, like October, November of, of 2007. The outcome of that was 
also something a little bit different, but they needed some more funds for transportation. Uh, General Assembly ended up passing a variety of things, but one of them was some extension of the state sales tax and sending the money to the transportation trust fund rather than where it would ordinarily go, the general fund. So big packages of, of stuff, but some extra dollars for transportation. And that, that weirdness, though, about the extended sales tax being diverted to the Transportation Trust Fund instead of the general fund, eventually that, that did get untangled a bit, right? Right. A, f- a few years later, they, they, did, uh, they took a couple of things that were oddities between the general fund and Transportation Trust Fund, one of them being the redirection of those local highway user revenues. And they did sort of a, a true up between the Transportation Fund and the general fund. Uh, the details, I don't know, probably even too nitpicky and and minuscule, even for our faithful listeners who have made it this far. But it was enough to keep the transportation trust fund in okay shape for a while. Okay, so that gets us all the way to 2013. The chickens come home to roost. The transportation trust fund is running short, and it's time to make a big move. Right, and um, it wasn't total. I mean, the case was really strong. The Transportation Trust Fund was running short on ability to just do maintenance, much less advance needed projects. And at the same time, it really wasn't obvious, like coming into the 2013 session, it wasn't obvious that the political will was there among Maryland political leaders to make it happen. It's it's tough to put yourself into the shoes of legislators from, you know, that many years ago, but we're toward the end of a political term. And this is the 2013 session right before the 2014 elections. Raising taxes is not a super easy lift, Mm -hmm. but long story, at least reasonably short, yes, it happened. Um, One thing that happened along the way was during the middle of the Maryland legislative session, our, our neighbor to the south, the Commonwealth of Virginia, suddenly popped out this big bipartisan compromise to raise their gas tax. And they did it in a way that was sort of complicated. There were some puts and takes and, and phase-ins, and, and you know, it was a complicated plan. And seeing that Virginia managed to do it seemed to ease the political um, wariness in Maryland a bit. I think it's fair to say. Mm -hmm. And in relatively short order, this went from being, we don't know whether something's going to happen, to it's in the middle of session. And suddenly there was a big plan to do something pretty similar in Maryland. And it all came together. That's what got us to basically where we are today, more or less. Okay, so so that was the big action. We're back in 2013. What was in the bill that they ended up passing? Okay, so this is like nine years ago now, but there were a number of moving parts in this big bill. It was all about transportation financing. There's a few things other than the gas tax, but the tax on gas was the centerpiece of the bill. And every time you saw a description of the bill, it had like a whole page of text explaining all the different pieces. It was, you know, number of phase-ins and uh, two main parts, each of which like takes a couple minutes to explain. It was, it was complicated, um, maybe by design, but it ended up being a pretty complicated bill. Well, I think, you know, our listeners are ready for it. And I'm sure this was a big deal for local governments. You were at MAKO, so obviously you were embedded in all of this and such a big package like this coming together. We know what that looks like. We know there are tons of moving parts and you have to watch out for anything that could end up costing you at the end of the day that you may not have noticed. So I'm sure you were knee deep in this. Hit it, Michael, explain exactly the pieces that were in this bill, those complicated pieces. So, so the, the first piece um, is relatively, like we've set this up pretty well. The 23 and a half cents per gallon has this 
embedded problem that it doesn't keep up with the actual cost of going out and resurfacing a road or building a new road or or whatever you know you know building the buying the equipment to do road projects or that sort of thing so you could however rewrite the law so that it does and that was in this bill starting in 2014 Every year, the comptroller, so that's the the elected state official in Maryland who's in charge of taxes and tax collection, the comptroller will do a measurement on the general cost of living increase from the prior year and will adjust that 23.5 cents rate to keep pace with inflation. So rather than having it sit there and need a bill to change the tax rate every year, you basically say, we think 23.5% cents per gallon is right now, but we'll have it float with the cost of living. And that way, nominally, that gas tax will keep pace so we can continue to buy, you know, the, the road graders and we can buy asphalt and we can hire the staff that it takes to do all these projects. And I, and I agree, you know, that the inflation piece makes a lot of sense. We know that, you know, costs rise and we know that the, the gas tax being flat was not working, but also... Doing that gets to one of the main policy weaknesses where you have to come back every few years and take a tough vote, right? Politically speaking, you don't want to have to keep coming back and taking votes to increase taxes because you're going to get slammed for it. And people are going to say, you voted to increase taxes three times, right, over your your four-year period in the legislature. You don't want that on your scorecard. So tying this to inflation and having the comptroller do this calculation and then automatically bake in any increase because of inflation makes a lot of sense politically as well as for you know the fund to actually work and to keep up with the price of goods but 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 that doesn't change much quickly right i mean just because you're able to do that and you're keeping up with inflation that does not exactly move the ball very quickly correct yeah yeah ex- exactly right so uh, unless unless they had decided to do something like make the inflation adjustment retroactive multiple years or something like that without that which they didn't do um you end up basically saying we'll have a little bit of growth in our gas tax revenue going forward but it doesn't do anything about like right now the fiscal crisis in the transportation fund so that brings you to the second piece of the bill lots of states in addition to having an excise tax that's sort of at the wholesale level and so forth they also say well in general, when you buy something, you pay sales tax. Why would we leave gasoline and motor fuels out of the sales tax? Why don't we apply the sales tax to it as well? Um, a number of states did that, and they, they would have a gas tax, and then they also applied their sales tax. Maryland did not do that. So uh, that was the second piece. Uh, Maryland applied what what it was sort of phased up to being a five cent or five percent sales tax rate um, on gasoline and motor fuels. But 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 so let me stop you there because the price I see is the price I pay when it comes to gas. So doesn't that mean it 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 isn't really a sales tax? Right. So technically, I think I think technically yes. What we do here in Maryland, and I I think most states do this as well, is we sort of calculate the sales tax by proxy. So rather than it's, it's, uh, it's levied based on the actual sale price that you pay at the pump this morning, instead, what the state does is we look at the average wholesale price for each year, and then we calculate what the 5% tax would be in cents per gallon, and then that is tacked onto the excise tax 
tax. And it's like, again, sort of baked into the retail price for the year ahead. Okay, so so that's where we are. We have a two-part gas tax, a base rate that moves with inflation, and an add-on that's sort of like paying a five-cent sales tax on the wholesale price. It, it, that's that's where we are right now. So for the year we're about right. to finish, after all the phase-ins and conditions and whatever else is in the 2013 bill, where did that bring us? So the collective effect of the inflation adjustments was that 23 and a half cents has turned into about 27. We moved up by about 3.6 cents since uh, since the time of the 20, 2013 bill. And, you know, inflation has been relatively low for the mm-hmm. last decade. Most years, inflation has been like a percent and a half, 2% thereabouts or so. So that increase has been relatively gradual, just a, like a few tenths of a cent per year. But the cost of projects and stuff hasn't been going up all that much. So that's been a gradual change. And the sales tax, it was phased in, but that's all behind us now. It's been eight, nine years now. The sales tax applied to the gas tax at its wholesale price right now amounts to like nine cents. So wholesale was, must be something like $1.80 times that five cent tax rate. I'm not sure why it's five cents rather than the, the general sales tax of 6%. But, mm. you know, like if the, sale, if the, if the uh, average wholesale price a year ago was a buck eighty then five cent tax on that gets you nine cents in sales tax. So you add that stuff to the 23 and a half base rate plus the inflation adjustment plus that nine cents, it gets you to 36.1 cents as the total tax rate. And that's where we are today in May of 2022. All right, so there's the history lesson, the explainer of how Maryland's gas tax works. We're gonna take a break. And when we come back, that's going to bring us up to date. And now after the break, we're going to dive into the headlines from this week a little more clearly and explain what it looks like moving forward, what options are on the table, because we know people are hurting. Gas prices are out of control right now. We'll dive into all of that after a break. Nationwide is a proud platinum partner of the Maryland Association of Counties. Nationwide is a market leader in providing supplemental retirement savings programs for public employees. They have been serving public sector employees and their families for nearly 40 years. Their programs include 457B, 401A, and post-employment health plans, and are comprehensive, incorporating investment, education, and administrative service solutions for governmental employers. Visit www.nrs4u.com or contact Debbie Turner at turned11 at nationwide.com. Retirement representatives are registered representatives of Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA. All right, welcome back to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale back here with Michael Sanderson. Michael, on the front half of this episode, we dove into the history of Maryland's gas tax. We dove into what got us here to the current rate that we are at today. We know there are a lot of headlines in the past week about the gas tax. And Michael, what is going on? Why is everybody going ballistic here seemingly about this impending increase that's going to happen on July 1st? Why is July 1st a big date coming up here when it comes to the gas tax in Maryland? And why are people talking about this all over the place? You can't go anywhere without hearing about this. Someone is accusing someone of not doing something that they could be doing to stop to stop this, essentially. Right. So so it's springtime and um the whole thing is because this whole system pivots every July 1. And as we get close to the 1st of July, that's the beginning of a fiscal year. And that's 
You know, that's a, a process that public sector entities use rather than January 1 to December 31. Sometimes we want to base things on a different year. And the fiscal year starts July 1, goes through June 30. So the gears are about to turn for the year ahead. July 1 is when we adjust for inflation in general. And then we look at at wholesale gas prices and we make this annual adjustment to the gas tax rate. And this year, boom both inflation and gas prices are going nuts. And this is a much bigger deal than years past. Right. So, so that's why this has become like, like last spring when, when you know, inflation adjustment was relatively trivial and the wholesale price was a non-event that, you know, you didn't hear anything about this last May, but this year with both of these things in unusual, like crazy unusual territory, that's why this is a really big deal right now. Okay, so in the last week or so, we've seen a lot of back and forth among the players at the state level. The governor has called on the comptroller to delay the rate increase or to do anything in his power to delay or do away with it. They're saying that it would be something like six to seven cents per gallon. That's what the increase would be on July 1. And Marylanders are already tapped out paying $4.50 or whatever it is at the pump, right? So we understand the, the political nature of this. And we also understand that it is an issue generally with gas prices prices right now. So the governor is saying to the comptroller, look, you got to stop this. And what is the, the comptroller saying in response, Michael? Right. Well, so so this is where this conversation goes from being like wonky technical stuff into wonky structure of government stuff. And as as our as the Conduit Street podcast faithful know, you got to eat your vegetables. So this isn't necessarily fun and thrilling stuff, but it is important to understand the structure of government here and who has authority to do what. So uh, on, on a certain level, um, you you say, well, why why do, why can't the tax collector just waive off these taxes? So the comptroller is a constitutional officer in the state, um, has a duty to be the tax collector and administrator, but does not have infinite authority to just wave off taxes and say, we're not going to do that. We're just not going to tax this, or we're just going to ignore the law that says what the rate is. Right. And I think what's confusing here is that during the pandemic, the comptroller did give extensions to folks to file their income taxes, right? So it feels like he had broad authority in tax collections, but but what he was doing there was the collection process, not the taxability or the tax rates. And that seems to be what's on the table right now. Right. So so the, the comptroller can change um, schedule, you know, payment schedules and things like that. So but 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 can't just declare something to be tax free. So when when the governor during the pandemic in 2020 said we'll change the filing deadline for your taxes on tax year 2019, it wasn't no taxes. It was we can wait a little extended time and give people more time we, rather than file in April of 2020, which felt like a dire thing to do. And you know, meeting with a tax professional felt like a big thing. He said, let's give everybody more time. That was a collection schedule, not a taxability. Your, your income in 2019 was still taxed at the same rate. He had the ability to say, we won't, we won't impose any penalties if you file later than the old-fashioned April 15th, and did so again as the pandemic continued. Right. So what we heard from the response from the comptroller's office is that, yes, they do have the authority to allow gasoline sellers to delay submitting the taxes, 
just like we did during the pandemic with individuals right. and their income tax, you could delay, but that would not help drivers at the pump, Michael, only the companies selling the gas, it would allow them to hold on to our tax money for longer. So that would not help people at the pump just by delaying, you know, the, the taxes that these, these gas companies, oil companies have to submit to the state. Right. So that, so that, seems to be um, the the bottom line for like the the parallel for what you know if the comptroller can say let's give individual taxpayers a break and let them not file their 2019 or 2020 income taxes until later we'll settle that stuff up later even though the taxes are still due if you did that right now for the gas tax the the service stations would still be duty bound to collect the tax they'd just be able to sit on it for longer. That's, I mean, that's not the outcome that anybody is looking for. I mean, if you're, if you're dying to get tax relief on gasoline, your thinking is not necessarily, you know, I want relief so the service station owner can sit on money in her bank account for an extra few months. Like, that's not what you're after. <laughs> right, no, of course not. So, so that makes a lot of sense. We understand. The next salvo, Michael, seems to be, that the governor has these emergency powers. He's used them during the pandemic. We know about that. Can he use them just to set this gas tax law aside? Is he able to do that and just say, with the stroke of a pen, we're not doing this. I'm just going to issue a, a, an executive order under my emergency powers and say we are not tying the gas tax to inflation for this year or for any years moving forward. Right. So I, I think, um, yeah, we've definitely heard that as, you know, if, if this is a chess game, then that was maybe the following move mm-hmm. was to say it's really the governor who has some ability to take actions in the absence of a change in law. So we, we definitely heard that. Um, I think, you know, in terms of like answering that structure of government question, and it's really a legal question, I'm, I'm inclined to kind of take a pass here um there are there are special conditions for an emergency declaration i don't claim to be an expert in them but a lot of us dusted off the the wording of the constitution and the statute about you know declarations of emergency it it might be dicey legal territory to say whether gasoline at four or five dollars or inflation at whatever rate we seem to be bearing right now constitutes, you know, does that really cut the mustard as an actual emergency for Maryland residents in the way that a pandemic or a hurricane or so forth would? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I think like just declaring times are tough and therefore I want to suspend all the laws, that would at the very least like raise eyebrows, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, getting away from legality, that's a big deal to just say, I'm, I'm going to boldly make an, declare an economic um, emergency. I don't know whether it's legal. I don't know whether it's practical. Um, we, we might see answers to those questions in the weeks ahead, but I don't have them today. You, that, that, does that sound unfair? No, <laughs> to, I, I think side, that, you know, sidestep that? Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, the governor can try and do whatever he wanted to do, whether or not it, it would pass muster, and it certainly would raise eyebrows and certainly maybe set some precedent. Um, but if we're going to take the comptroller and the governor off the table in terms of the comptroller uh, and the governor, neither one of them can just stroke of a pen, delay this or stop this from happening. Where does that leave us? It sounds like we just have to change the law, right? So I, I, I think that's, you know, that's one potential path forward. Structure of government would say if you don't like the way the statute reads, you go to the body that writes and amends the statutes and change it. And so 
that would be, you know, that, like we've heard over the last week or so, we've also heard calls for a, an emergency convening of the General Assembly, bring the legislature back to town and react to this crisis. And so, you know, that's something that, that could happen under, under Maryland law. The governor can call the General Assembly in for a special session um, or the presiding officers can petition for a special session, you know, for a variety of reasons. So there has been public conversation, you know, sort of in the social media town square about, about this sort of thing. So that would be a potential next step. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's, it's important, again, getting back to, to, to politics here. Look, we are approaching a July primary. Uh, we know that everybody in the General Assembly is running. Uh, the ones that have decided to run are running again. They're out there campaigning. They're raising money. All these things going on. And plus, Michael, if you were to come back for a special session, sure, you could probably take care of this in like a half an hour. If you had everything ready to go, you could just pass a law that either suspended this gas tax increase for a certain period of time or just did away with it altogether, decouple it from inflation. But that's not all you could do in a special session, right? We know that politics are in play here. You could try to introduce any bill you wanted. You could say, we're going to introduce crime bills. We're going to introduce bills on guns, right? We, we just, we talked about earlier, the stuff that's going on right now. Okay, there's going to be a lot of pressure to consider other issues that you don't have the time to consider or you don't want to consider right now while you're outside of your normal legislative cycle. And I think that is something that you'd have to think about before deciding whether or not to bring the General Assembly to town. Plus, you have to think about, well, you know, Michael, what, what is really the benefit if you were to do away? with this tax increase, you're talking about six cents a gallon, okay? So let's do the quick math here. You're, you're better at math than I am. But if you're driving <laughs> around, Michael, and you go to fill up your car, let's say you have a 15 gallon tank, how much money are you saving if we do Look, away with this gas tax for the right. July 1st increase? Yeah, we're talking about like a dollar. A dollar. <laughs> I mean, that's, so, that's literally what we're talking about here is about a dollar per gas tank, you know, dollar tank, per fill gallon. up. Not a gallon, yeah, this isn't a dollar per gallon. This isn't like move the needle, change that like kitchen table family conversation and, and so forth. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to say it's like symbolic, but a dollar a gas tank, I, I'm, I'm sure it matters at a certain level, but sure. this isn't like the thing, right? It's um, so, yeah, this isn't the difference between the, the sticker shock right now of seeing gasoline for $4.60 versus whatever, 275 that we might have been paying a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, this is a whole different piece. This is a relatively small layer of that differential. And, you know, it gets lost in the policy. I mean, first of all, you're right. Setting up the potential to bring in a session of the General Assembly, number one, it's expensive. Um, it, it costs money to bring back all the staff and to, you know, you end up with like per diem expenses and so forth for the members and that sort of thing. That's generally not a great look during, especially, you know, during the campaign season of, of a re-election. There's, there, there are a lot of reasons why it's rare to have a special session during an election year. So, and, and I think you're exactly right. You could see 50 extra bills introduced and then, you know, a whole lot of clamor over why didn't you pass my bill? It was a great idea too. Uh, so right. it, this is more complicated than just flip the switch, come to town for 45 minutes and get this whole thing done. Um, I, I think, you know, I don't know. There, there's there's a lot to this. <laughs> yeah, a lot goes into it. And we said that you might save a dollar per gas tank. 
And Michael, we heard the presiding officers just yesterday come out and say, we are not interested in a special session, number one, because I think all the things that we talked about, there are logistical issues, bringing everybody back to town, the political stuff we talked about, but also they said that, look, suspending or delaying the gas tax increase, like we just said, would not provide significant relief at the pump for Marylanders, but it would starve our resources uh, for our roads and bridges, and it would result in about a $200 million loss in funding that's yeah. dedicated to maintaining those roads and bridges. So I think that that's interesting. And when you think about Michael Sanderson saves a dollar per tank versus the state loses 200 million, I think you do have to sort of weigh the, the balance there. And I, I'm not saying a dollar is not significant. We're not saying that. But at the end of the day, I think 200 million, that, that, that's real money. I also think, Michael, it's interesting that we are now hearing some chatter. Look, we just need to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels or do away with it altogether. And that's what we hear some people saying, people that are running for governor and such, that, look, we shouldn't even be talking about the gas tax because what we really should be talking about is just forget the gas tax. Let's talk about getting rid of all the gas guzzlers and switching or upgrading to clean energy vehicles because they don't need gas. Right. right. So I think yeah. that conversation is now embedded in the background as well. And I think that's some, you know, to be expected. Well, I mean, it's it's part of the political debate on this, too, that I mean, back to one thing we me we mentioned at the beginning, that this idea of an excise tax or a sin tax, I mean, part of the policy thinking behind special taxes on special products is it's a way to place burdens on certain behaviors. So surely, like burning fossil fuels is among those things that at least some policymakers in Maryland would want to discourage, just like smoking cigarettes. Um, you know, the idea of put the burden of paving the roads on the people who are burning the fuel and will have fewer fuel burners, and that's a good thing for the climate and for the environment and for our air quality. Okay, you're into that same policy, like using tax policy to affect behavior, cutting taxes on gasoline would send a weird policy message. So like even just the politics of whether this is a good idea, independent of whether it's a fair or right thing to do in an economic circumstance and who has the authority, just the, the policy itself, I think is complicated, right? It's complicated. And that also, Michael, is going to lead to a conversation that we should have on another episode. And we've talked a little about it before, but you know, if you are going to say, we're going to do away with gasoline uh, powered vehicles, it is a regressive tax. We don't have a magic switch to say, okay, everybody's gonna get an electric vehicle, everybody's gonna ride the bird scooters, which by the way, that's a whole nother episode, uh, talking about the bird scooters in Annapolis, <laughs> these things are out of control, but that would be great if everybody could just be clean and we wouldn't be damaging the environment at all. We don't have that magic switch though, but if we talk about moving forward, hey, we're not gonna use these gas powered vehicles what then happens, Michael? Where does that conversation have to lead? Because that's that's how we pay for the maintenance of our roads and bridges. We've just been talking about that. All this money coming from the fuel tax, from the gas tax, that leads to a whole other conversation, right? That will have to right. be had. It, it does, right? And that, and that conversation is probably looming anyway, independent of what incentives come from sort of our state and local tax structure. I mean, um, the, the, the move towards higher efficiency, low emission, electric driven vehicles is seems to be a growth area independent of tax policy. So I, I, think, I think that's a meaningful part of transportation finance policy for the next generation or so regardless. So, um, and, and it, but it does, it does cast a shadow on what to do right now. So I, I mean, I think where we sit now is the latest we're hearing is the leadership in the general assembly 
is not attracted to the idea of convening a general session for some of the reasons we got into. Um, but you know, they're they're seeing the idea of starving the transportation system and and you know delaying and deferring safety improvements and projects and so forth is not good policy um you know so so it looks like what's on deck is more conversation about whatever administrative management of this issue and so forth i'm i'm not sure we've seen the end of this conversation but it is a lively and interesting one for sure Absolutely. So let's let's just recap here a little. We've covered a lot of ground. So I'll just say Maryland has a weird gas tax. It's in two parts, and both parts get adjusted every year on July 1. Right. And and this year, it's just a witching hour where both of those parts would be scheduled to undergo a big change rather than the usual small one. And that is why everyone is suddenly talking about the gas tax, Michael. So We'll keep an eye on what happens here. As Michael mentioned, this may not be the end of this conversation, but it seems like at this point we're sort of at a stalemate. Uh, we'll likely keep hearing about administrative remedies and pushing the envelope about what can be done here without the legislature. So I, I think that about covers it. Michael, anything else that you want to close with before we wrap up? No, it's just it's just good to get back on brand and like, you know, sort of like get into full nerd mode on this. So I'm feeling good about that. Same here, same here. So we'll leave it there. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. That way, all these episodes will be sent directly to the device of your choice. As always, you can follow along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and then, of course, the Conduit Street blog. But for Michael Sanderson, this is Kevin Canale signing off, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.